Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Studios, it's the Press Box Summer Edition. Yeah, old lady! Ed Grady. I'm not surprised the only women you see naked are in magazines. Tyler Bischoff. Again, this is really not my field. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, I didn't jump the gun. Thank goodness. Good job. Thank you, job. I paused. It was that, it was that dramatic pause. I mean, Jared I points normally. Huh? Po- Jared points normally when it's time sure. to go. Yeah, I got the point. I got the point this morning. <laughs> he actually pointed at me, so <laughs> I can see how that could be confusing. <laughs> yeah, that was that was just, it's a, hey, at least I heard you this morning. Exactly. I guess. I guess. Joey Gallo hit a home run yesterday. This guy going to be good? I don't think they're losing ever again. <laughs> so I so the key to Joey Gallo being good is him being allowed to leave his apartment? Yeah, and like, like interact with people. Yeah, like he didn't do that in New York apparently because right. he was afraid of just getting heckled on the street. Yeah. I assume uh, he goes for walks now that he's in Los Angeles. Well, I assume in Los Angeles no one cares yeah, because they're like, true. look, there's Jessica Simpson. Yeah, yeah he, exactly. So he goes for a walk and now he's good at baseball again. Opposite field. Yeah, he can actually hit again. He's yeah. not he's not hitting I mean, 150 anymore. Didn't hurt that it was a fastball right down the middle and it didn't move. So he Mun- just kind of swung the bat. Muncie had a home run yesterday too, right? Muncie's so both, uh, both yeah. 150 we're seeing, hitters. Uh, we're seeing we're seeing some uh, spark from Muncie. That's like his third or fourth home run in five games. It's too early. Peaking at the wrong time, Ed. It's August. You got to wait you two months. You might be right. You, you got to wait right. two. Two months from now, then you can start peaking. Padres erupted. Yeah, they did. Against the Giants. Did though. you see Juan Soto make the error in right field, though? No, I read about it. God, he's had Twitter. two horrific defensive plays in, like, the week that he's been there. But he hit a home run. He did. But he did hit a home he, run. He tried to. He wasn't going to catch the ball, so he pretended like he was going to catch it to make sure the runners wouldn't take off. And then when the ball bounced in front of him, he went to scoop it up, and it just went right past him. It went right past him? Yes. They all scored? Both runners on base scored, and the guy who hit it got to third. And I don't think technically it was an error because it never hit his glove. So, yeah. which is one of the dumbest things in baseball. The other thing I'm seeing on Twitter is the kind of little league uh, scorekeeping in terms of maybe it's just Padre games, but I'm seeing a lot of complaint about what are errors and what oh. are hits. The Astros had two, there were two plays in the Astros game last night where an infield, a hard hit ball, but right at an infield. Should have had it. Off their glove and they got real hits. And it's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's an error. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, sure, rack up the hit totals, but that's an error. Yeah. Calm down over there. You are right. It's Little League scorekeeping. In honor of the Little League World in Series. In honor of these Little League teams trying to get to the World Series. Scorekeepers are watching too much Little League World Series right. where, yeah, you ruled out a hit because hey, he hit it hard. Because you like the kid, and he, yeah. did, and he just got hit in the head, and he went over and hugged the other <laughs> pitcher. The first bite. Sorry, I just got a work-related text message. Does Derek Carr need to play in a preseason game? Does he need to play, or will he need to play? Or will he play? I don't think he'll play. You don't think he will in any of the four preseason games? I don't know if I want to. I don't know, because I didn't think Josh Jacobs was going to play. He started, (laughs) he ran two series, was like running over people. Maybe because it's a new system. Maybe McDaniels wants to see him once. I don't think he played at all last year. I know he said he didn't. Um, so maybe because it's a new system, they want to see him, but would you risk him for like a series just to see him? So we have, we have seen, uh, him not play in the first game, which wasn't that big of a surprise. The Jags didn't play any of their starters either. Did you see Aaron Rodgers quote 
about how he doesn't see any, any benefit to playing. It. His quote was, I don't see any benefit to it. I definitely don't see any benefit to playing one series. If we're going to play, we should play and play a quarter, a couple of series, two to three series, just suiting up for four plays to me is a waste. And, and I think Aaron Rodgers is right. If yeah. you're going to just play your quarterback to hand, hand it off ball twice off and times throw and maybe one throw a slant. screen or something. Yeah. That is stupid. Right. Like if you're putting your quarterback and your first team offense out there, you should probably actually like run plays you're going to run in week one. So like that's Aaron Rodgers. Obviously the big caveat there is they got blown out 38 to three in the first game of the season last year after Aaron Rodgers didn't do anything in the preseason. Uh, but you've also had like Justin Herbert has not played. He's, a never, played, he's never played in a preseason right. game, even as a rookie coming in right. the Chargers were like, nope, we're not playing this guy in a preseason game. And so I tend to lean on the side of if if you know what you have at quarterback, you do not need to play that guy in a single preseason game. Right. Not at all. So if it were my decision, Derek Carr's not even I, I'm not even letting him put on the shoulder pads. But what do you think? I was gonna ask Carr this today and McDaniels tomorrow and forget about film. Like it's a cliche they always say, but do you think even in his ninth year, because it's a new system? that he can learn watching on the sideline or is it all just practice and he knows what he's doing? Cause this is ninth year. I'm curious how much they're actually like letting Jarrett Stidham or Nick Mullins, like well, run stuff that car needs Carr's to like run. get used to. Right. But I'd have to like, there's no way that Josh McDaniels is bringing over some offense. That's so different and complex that Derek Carr's like, Whoa, I don't know what this is. What would is. I have done on that play? Right. Like, sure, there might be different concepts that he's got to get down, but it can't be so foreign that right. he's like, whoa, I got to run this in a preseason right. game. And then the other part of this particular preseason for the Raiders is they're going to have the joint practices with the Patriots. And to me, that's where Derek Carr, if he needs reps with whatever system or whatever play or concept, that's where I think I want him doing it because you put on the red Jersey and he's not going to, he's not going to get touched. Anyway. Right. It's like, that's where I, that's probably going to be the most valuable. What is it? Two days. I think of the entire preseason for the Raiders. And that's where I would be. Hey, we, we want to work on this or whatever. That's where I think I would be doing it. I would not be doing it in the actual preseason. I just don't think there's much of a point to it for Derek Carr or a Justin Herbert or an Aaron Rodgers. I do think if you have a rookie quarterback, obviously, but I think you like Marcus Mariota going to the Falcons. He's obviously not a rookie, but a guy who hasn't started in a while, new team that I can understand why. Yeah. We want to get Marcus Mariota out there for a quarter or even two quarters or something like that. But for the most part, if you've got a established quarterback, I don't think there's much of a need for it. So if it's Jarrett Stidham throwing them the ball, is it a need for Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro no, to be on the field? I, no, wouldn't put either one of them no. out there. Not not a chance. I might put the other receivers that are battling for that other oh, outside sure. wide receiver spot. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we saw the offensive line in, in the first preseason game because who knows who's starting and if they even like those guys on the on the offensive line right now. But no, I, I wouldn't put Renfro or Adams out right. there. And defensively? We're not sure where Waller is anyway. Well, yeah, well, he's at well, the Aces game. He's at the Mandalay Bay. He's yeah. just hanging out there. So I wouldn't do it. Now, I say that, and I hope they play because that makes our job easier. You hope everybody plays. Right. That makes our job a little bit easier because, listen, yes, we're going to talk about a Raiders preseason game, but we're not really going to break down Jarrett Stidham. Stidham to whatever wide receiver is out there, right? 
if Derek Carr and Devontae Adams play for three or four series, we might actually talk about it and like we talked about overreact to a great drive or overreact or a to drive. a three and out or something like that. But I don't think I would do it. And I would say long-term picture. I hope every team sits their starters in preseason because hopefully that could lead to no more preseason games or maybe one preseason. Cause I, I, I hate the preseason. Everybody's all like, oh, football's back. I was like, no, it's not. Nobody cares about well, these games. And I know it's because they played the Hall of Fame game, but I'm sorry. Four of these things? <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 that's bad. Yeah. I'm sorry. And well, I know they make money off them. I, I hope they stop playing the starters enough that people stop showing up and therefore they stop. Well, it was like the so Pro Bowl. And then I games. thought after last year's just mockery of it, uh, maybe they'll rethink it. Coming back to Vegas. Jeez. No, yeah, that's the other thing we need. We need the Pro Bowl to be as bad as possible. So eventually, Which they I just thought last it. year kind of qualified. Do, do all the other stuff for Pro Bowl week, the little dodgeball tournament that they did out at uh, the Aviators Park. Do all the other stuff, but we don't need the actual game. Don't yeah. need it. It's completely pointless. Do all the fun stuff. Yeah, but we don't need the actual game. And everybody saw that last year. So I hope preseason games and the Pro Bowl are bad enough that the NFL is like, all right, we need to stop this. We're not making enough money. People stop showing up. We're not making enough money. Well, and they don't play. Yeah. They don't play hard. They just touch each other. They're not really really hitting each other. Would the Pro Bowl actually be better if they legitimately played flag football? It'd be fun to watch. Like, no shoulder great. pads or anything. Just they got the little Ooh. belt with the flags yes. on, and you've got to pull it. That'd be I, awesome. I think it would. I, the offensive linemen and defensive linemen don't, you know, technically get to play. I guess you could somehow figure out a I way to get to say, play. let's make an Iron Man where it's like you have to play. Here, there's like 60 Pro Bowlers. <laughs> we can't make an Iron Man. No, but you make it in, you make it a round robin. Uh, you make it a round robin, <laughs> five on five flag football. Guys are on the sideline watching and cheering. Yeah. So it's just like round robin. Everybody has to, you have, you have two games going on simultaneously. (laughs) Everybody gets orange slices afterwards. At both both ends of the field. Orange slices and Capri Suns. I think that I genuinely think that would be more entertaining. I would be more likely to tune in if I knew that whatever Aaron Rodgers was throwing passes to Devontae Adams. Right. In a flag football game. Yeah. I'd be genuinely more interested in that than what they do in the Pro Bowl. And every team has to have one of those kids from the flag football commercial (laughs) from the NFL so that we get to see this little kid run around adults. And it's like, (laughs) his flags are too low to the ground. Kid running up and down the field. That would be great. I would enjoy that very much. Um, I have one question for you, Ed. Some training camp observation from you. Does Nate Hobbs deserve the hype he's been getting the last week or so from people watching training camp is he lester cut (laughs) does he deserve the hype i don't know how you can tell in practice that he deserves the hype i mean you can watch it we've been we've watched one-on-ones with Devontae adams it's kind of cool when they line up against the other i will say the 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 sides i've seen Devontae beats him more than not which is no you know it's no uh it's Devontae adams Adams, so i don't know i mean it's look it's i'll say this getting a lot of uh preseason um let's say uh, information or, or, you know, news out there is sometimes really hard right? from where you're standing and from what you're <laughs> actually watching. It's actually not Nate Hobbs every time. It's some other defensive back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's have your binoculars. <laughs> because so this is the part of like preseason that is interesting because there is a limited portion that's available to the media. And I do think there is, there can be real information to be taken from that, but also at the same time, 
how legitimate is it? Because we we've heard about Lester Cotton already. We're now hearing about Nate Hobbs and potentially, right? Those could be two sort of breakout players for the Raiders, right? Lester right, Cotton, maybe right. maybe he is a big answer to why the offensive line is going to be okay this year because he has a massive year and is great as a guard for this team. Maybe Nate Hobbs is a reason the secondary can be better than expected because he has a great year, but at the same time, it's preseason and how much does any of that actually matter? All right, coming up next, we'll jump into some college football because the Big Ten is about to make so much money. Well, let let y'all know, man. Today is the minimum of effort. Do not give up. Do not feel like you're tired. Were you tired? Think of last year and think of that record. Every time I get tired or I think I can't go no more, I think of that record. Last wasn't it. That ain't us. We can make it. Have some heart. I get emotional about this. I'm about to cry because I care about y'all. Do your best. Let's go. Lions on three. One, two, three. All of the sun, none of the fun on the Press Box Summer Edition. I believe that was Lions running back Jamal Williams. Not the same Jamal Williams UNLV basketball just hired. And not the one who used to play <laughs> for the Chiefs. Although, wouldn't that be great if that's his first? If Kevin Kruger says, break him down, Jamal. Oh, you, and you, that was him. You you missed you missed it. I saw UNLV hired Jamal Williams, and I literally went, oh, the former Chiefs running back. All right, very cool. That's a, that's a really good get. So I played a UNLV football highlight, and Tyler's like, wrong sport. Yeah. Basketball. Jamal Williams, and I believe both Jamal Williams of the Lions and Jamal Williams of UNLV spell their names the same with three A's. A-M-A-A-L? Yeah, I believe they both have three A's in Jamal, so even potentially more confusing. I'd love for that him to break it down on their way to Canada. I'd love if it was actually the Lions' Jamal Williams, and he was like, all right, guys, I'm flying (laughs) out to Las Vegas. Did you see the record last year? I'm getting the hell out of here. I'm going out to Vegas to be a basketball coach. All right. Uh, some college football news is uh, slowly coming out, and eventually we'll get uh, the full details here. But the Big Ten and its television deal is going is going to be insane. So, according to the Athletic, ESPN has backed out. They are no longer going to broadcast Big Ten games. The Big Ten offered them a ten year deal that would have paid the Big Ten three hundred and eighty million dollars per year to broadcast some of the Big Ten's game. Here's what's expected to happen. The Big Ten is expected to sell to CBS their 3.30 Eastern time slot for $350 million. They are expected to sell a prime time time slot to NBC for another $350 million. They already have an agreement. The price I have not seen reported anywhere, but they already have an agreement with Fox noon Eastern. for the noon Eastern time yeah, that, slot. Yeah, early Big Ten game. Presumably, that would also be in the neighborhood of $350 yeah. million per year. So what that means is that the Big Ten would have three of the four you know, major networks for $350 million each. Yeah. Per year. And then on top of that, they're also looking into adding a streaming partner. So that would be giving certain games each weekend to Apple or Amazon, which I doubt would be $350 million, but it's probably another $100, 150 $200 million that the Big Ten would be adding. 
The Big Ten is about to make a billion dollars or more per year on its television contracts. And people wonder why SC and UCLA <laughs> jumped away from the Pac-12. <laughs> I mean, isn't this more and more just more separation for the SEC and Big Ten? Yeah. And, well, this is this SEC, is more... SEC gets, what, $700 million? Yeah, this is more than the SEC. Right. This is like... You're starting to get significantly higher than the SEC, who's at seven fifty per year or something right now with their deal, and they just signed it, so that won't be going. Well, I guess they could add it to school and go renegotiate, but most likely that won't be going up. But I mean, you're talking even with sixteen teams, even when they add the two California schools, you're still looking at like sixty three, sixty four million dollars a year per, per team per school from television deals. Like this is. It's insane. Like, this is crazy, the amount that they're getting. And they did a... The Big Ten, if this is what ends up happening, has done a terrific job of piecemealing all of Mm -hmm. their time slots, right? Instead of, like, instead of selling, hey, uh, we're going to partner with one television network and do one price, and they're going to broadcast all of our games, they basically said, all right, we got three time slots, noon, 3.30, and whatever the prime time, 7 o'clock time slot is. We're going to sell one of those to everybody, and we're going to get $350 million from everybody. I think it was also smart to go NBC because of Notre Dame. So did you see the Notre Dame athletic director? Yeah, Jack Swark, Swark yes. He said yeah. he loves that they're going to be on NBC because yeah. that gives NBC a chance to promote Notre Dame football. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which is interesting I mean, to me because he's taking it as a, hey, this is good for us and us staying independent because Notre Dame has their own television deal with NBC. In the past, has it's NBC's only had Notre Dame, right? They have not broadcast right, other right. college football that I can think of off the top of my head. So in the past, it's just NBC will show Notre Dame on Saturdays and that's it. That's all they do for college football. Now he's viewing it as, hey... Every time that NBC has a you know Big, Big Ten, Ten game, game, they're gonna have run a little promo that says "Tune in to watch the Fighting Irish take on UNLV yes. on NBC." Although that game will probably be on Peacock, but on NBC, and he's viewing this as a good thing for Notre Dame. I guess. I mean, it can't be a bad thing right. for more publicity. It can't but if, be bad if you're the Big Ten. You, you want, want Notre, Notre Dame. You want Notre Dame's TV deal to fall apart. So you want you Notre Dame, period. Them. Yeah. You want them to not have a good TV deal so you can go and take them and then go back to the television I'd partners. I'd love to know say, how much Notre Dame makes. Are they making $68 million a year? No, I don't think so. No. Um, oh, yeah. I don't think it's that much. Like, that's a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. So, it, but, I, but even if they're making less, they'd still probably rather prefer it because they get to basically play whenever they want. They're not like one of the big complaints for most college football teams, even the good ones is when they have to play games. Of course. And obviously we get a lot more complaints on the West coast because you'll have late kickoffs. So many late kickoffs, kickoffs. right. Or randomly it's, it's happened in the mountain West now where one of the TV partners will be like, well, we want to put you on at 11 AM your time. Because we have right. an open time slot. They've so, done that before. Right. They did and, that with San Diego State Boise State right. like a year I think ago. They it was played like 9 a.m. or yeah, 10 a.m. Or, or something like that. Right. And so there's a lot of complaints. It happens to a lot of schools, though. It's not just a Mountain West thing. And so if you're Notre Dame and you have NBC and they, they're they only going to broadcast one or two college football games every Saturday, you kind of get to pick when you play to some extent, right? You kind of get to say, well, when else? what else are you going to air today? It doesn't matter. You're going to put us on TV. We can put this more in perspective, and you have this uh, down here for their numbers. The Mountain West will pay schools 5 to $6 million on the next TV deal. 
<laughs> put that in perspective, and that goes back to I just don't know how, and it's getting more and more. Obviously, the the uh, arms race is getting uh, the margins getting wider and wider now in the arms race in college athletics. I just don't know how you compete if you're not no. a power five. How, how do you compete at all? No, you, you can't. It's yeah. impossible to compete. And if you do, you must have an incredible athletic director and coach. It's so it's similar. Like if you look at baseball and local television deals, right? What, what are the Dodgers getting? It's like 200 million yes. or something like that from their local TV deal. Meanwhile, like the Marlins and the Rays are getting like 50 or 60 million, right? Which is still a lot, obviously, but it's not, it's, it's such a different, it's such a vastly different situation. And that's why it's funny to, to even think that the Marlins are in the same league as the, as Dodgers. the Dodgers or the and, Yankees. Yeah. And, and at the end of the day, they're really not right. What are the Marlins as a franchise are, pretty cheap and they've had a few good seasons where they went from wild card to the world series. Right. And that's really been it for basically 20 something years, the Rays, And that's, that's like the interesting comparison. The Tampa Bay Rays are actually really good. They're a really good team on a budget. They do a good job of finding talent and producing talent. And because of that, they can be competitive despite getting significantly less money. But that's sort of what it takes to compare back to college football for a mountain West school to ever even be close or in the same ballpark as one of these power conference right. teams. Because you've you've basically got to be the Tampa Bay Rays, which we know is an anomaly, right? The easiest way to be good in in sports is to spend money, right? That's the easy, like that's the best correlation. Spend money, sure. And in college football, when you don't have the money to spend, you don't, you're, I mean, the Mountain West schools can't because right. they don't have any. Because you're getting five or six million in your TV right. deal. Meanwhile, SC's getting sixty eight. Indiana is going to get sixty eight million dollars. Like. There's no reason if you if you really sat back and thought about it, there's no reason that like San Diego State couldn't be as good as Indiana at football with one major exception. Indiana's in the Big Ten. San Diego State's in the Mountain Mountain West. West. If if we started from scratch right now, like no conferences, no television deals like this, San Diego State should probably be a better football program than Indiana. But they're not there. I mean. They might beat him in a game, but like at the end of the day, they're not going to be because no, Indiana gets sixty-eight million. Is going to make ten times as much tell just that, and that's just television. That's it. That's not everything else that these schools can make money off of. So that's why there's there's a lot, a lot of fortunate teams that are in the SEC and in the Big Ten that actually aren't like that good. Like Indiana's one of them. The Mississippi schools in the SEC, Vanderbilt. Like there's a lot of schools that. There's no real reason anybody would want them. Maryland football. Right. But they've been in these conferences for years, and they're not going to get kicked so, out, so they're going to make $68 million. So it looks like the Pac-12 and, the, and ACC are left over for ESPN. Yes. Uh, ESPN and the, pa- or the ACC already have their deal locked in place for a decade or something so like Pac-12. that. So the Pac-12... Has ESPN. Right. I wonder who actually has get. the leverage now. Like, does Pac-12 have a little bit of leverage saying, hey, you lost out on the Big Ten? I wonder if that, especially... it depends on how much they want. Right. Because the ESPN does have the SEC now. Right. So, I, I, I don't know who has the leverage there. Like, would ESPN say, eh, whatever. You're the Pac-12. We'll give you what we we'll think. We'll give you $100 we million. You. And if we miss out, good luck with the Pac-12 network. All right. Coming up next, Gilbert Manzano joins the show. Our stadium, we've uh, dramatically upgraded. We, we're encouraging everybody to come to uh, see all the changes we've done uh, to the stadium this year. I think it'll be quite impressive. We're going to have some uh, big-time attendance. We're very, very optimistic also on the season. Uh, we we finally uh, have ourselves a quarterback. So uh, I wanted to say uh, thanks to everyone. I really, truly appreciate this. You're listening to The Press Box, Summer Edition. 
Joining us now is Gilbert Manzano. He is covering the Rams for the OC Register. Good morning, Gilbert. Hey, How Gilbert. are you today? Hey, Ed, Tyler. I'm doing well. Uh, I'm still in L.A., but uh, a new team to follow, so uh, get in the hang of it. All right. How is Matthew Stafford's elbow, and how is Matthew Stafford at handling questions about his elbow? <laughs> uh, I think he's still uh, irritated about the irritated elbow, which I love to say a lot. <laughs> uh, he, uh, I think he's doing better now because he, he started throwing in team drills. Uh, it was just a weird story overall, uh, Tyler and Ned. Uh, honestly, we probably wouldn't have cared until uh, Sean McVay called it abnormal. Uh, saying he doesn't know what he's dealing with. Uh, they're learning on the fly. Uh, and that story kind of just took off where he, you know, he's saying he doesn't know what to do with his pain. So uh, I don't know if Stafford should, should have been irritated with the reporters, maybe more at the quarterback. Uh, but I think all is well. He's been throwing fine and, and, and individual seven-on-seven team drills, uh, looking great with Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. So uh, I guess it is just arm soreness, but this story just went into – a whole different uh, chapter. So that, that was a, a good start for me to cover this team. Yeah, please tell me everyone keeps asking him about it so he can be happy after practice. <laughs> yeah, I think every, uh, for the next uh, month, I think somebody will ask him and he will be scoffing, <laughs> head shaking, uh, doing a couple come on, man. Uh, that, should be, that should be fun <laughs> to watch. On, man. Uh, so I'm curious, there was a quote from Aaron Donald, uh, earlier this off season about basically he's going to play as long as Sean McVay is around. And then once McVay is gone or done, then Aaron Donald would probably hang it up and he would retire too. Uh, does that make Sean McVay the most valuable coach in the NFL that he has the best defensive player basically tied to him? Yeah. I don't know if Aaron Donald and, and uh, Sean McVay got together in the off season and say, Hey, we need some leverage here. Let's team up and, and get a nice contract. Maybe Cooper cup is the same thing. And Matthew Stafford, because everybody who was uh, a big piece in the Super Bowl got paid uh, this off season. And, and, and that was another funny kind of storyline for me. I think all, all the, all the things that happened that was weird with the Rams was at the podium. Uh, Sean McVay be impressed to confess about his contract extension that he signed who knows when, maybe at the parade in March and and some of the reporters who were there before me were kind of annoyed that he's been keeping it a secret. So that was something else. But, you know, it it helps to have Aaron Donald on your side. Uh, But then when Amazon's coming and calling you and you're 36 years old and you just won the Super Bowl and you've done pretty much everything that every coach wants to do, uh, when they're still in their 50s and they're throwing $100 million at you, uh, you, you kind of entertain it. But obviously, Tommy Bay is still a young guy. He wants to do a lot in the NFL. So use that as leverage. He got that that extension. He's still waiting on Les Need, the GM of the Rams, to get paid as well. And that's why he wanted to do this kind of partnership to announce these two contracts. But, yeah, having Aaron Donald on your side and same thing with, with Aaron, you know, he's still, a, I guess, in the – in the NFL, you're never really that young, but going into year nine, uh, you know he's accomplished everything he he's wanted to as well. In the Hall of Fame career, uh, but he's still playing at a very high level. And, and if you look at that contract before for Aaron Donald, uh, it got outdated very quick. And, and Ed, it's, it's funny because when I was covering the Raiders with the Las Vegas Review Journal, it was Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald, and they were fighting for the most money. And it's yeah. funny how quickly that contract got outdated. Yeah. And he just took that to another kind of money stratosphere is getting paid like a quarterback now. Do you, you don't get any sense because uh, huge stories lately about McVay and 
his life and married now and you know before there was a chance he might go into broadcasting before he decided for coaching uh what sense do you get for him about his future yeah you know just i actually i like i like just talking to people who've been around the team for a while and getting getting a sense of that for sean McVay is just kind of a year by year thing and you know from just talking to the people who've been around you know they, they, they get the sense of maybe a Maybe kind of four to five years more. Maybe run out this contract. The, the report is that the extension is five years. So maybe go through the five years. Uh, what that? He's forty-one at the time, and, and maybe he wins a Super Bowl or two, and then he's fine with that. So uh, I could definitely see that kind of being the the window for him for coaching. Uh, it seems like he's a coach who doesn't want to do it forever. Uh, but then you write that there's that story in ESPN where he's saying, "Hey, he doesn't. Maybe he could do it to he's sixty-two. So you never know with Sean McVay." Uh, but I think it's, it's his contract here. He committed to it. I think he wants to do that. Uh, but I, I, I'm sure that the part of him is, is, is enticed to be to be in a broadcaster. Uh, that's one thing I've learned from covering this beat. Uh, he, he likes to have a good time at the podium. He likes to you know you know you know play games with the media. He likes to have fun with them too. Uh, so he will definitely be good at, at, at the broadcast broadcaster role. And when you accomplish so much already. You know, you're at the top of the mountain. I think you would definitely think about it in four or five years. All right. Here is the most important question for you this morning. Should I draft Allen Robinson in fantasy football? <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, he, he is very good out there. Uh, it, it, it was funny for the first week because uh, they, they have these two rookie cornerbacks who were drafted late in, in the draft. And uh, uh, Darion Kendrick, especially in the Kobe Durant being the one, Darion Kendrick and Allen Robinson are matching up a lot. And this kid, uh, Darion Kendrick, was getting out a, a lot of wins, PBUs, and breaking up passes, uh, interceptions, and, and being all over uh, Adam Robinson. You start thinking, you know, it, it's training camp. You know, when you know now, now that I've done this for for you know six years of training camp, you, you don't want to overreact for the first week, and, and, and it was a fill, fill out week. Uh, and after that, he just took over. I, I don't. I, I actually asked him, you know, got an interview with him, and like, were you a little annoyed with this with this rookie? And you wanted to show him up, and he said no. Uh, but he, he just went off. He, he was playing angry. He's a very nice person. Uh, he, doesn't, he does not seem like an angry dude, but he was out there, physical, uh, large catch radius, 30 hands, you know, downfield, you know, inside game. Anything you want from Al Robinson, he, like, you know, it, was, it didn't matter if it was Stafford, John Wolford, or Bryce Perkins throwing the ball. They just threw it in his area, and he came down with it. Uh, impressive one-handed catches, and, uh, again, it's not in his nature, but I don't know. He's just kind of ticked off from being lost in Chicago and Jacksonville, and he's like, "Finally, I have a system here. I have a quarterback here. I have a coach here." Uh, and he's putting it all together. And, and again, I, you know, I like to look at contracts and comparing like the, the, the positions. And uh, and one of my stories, I, I figured out that for this year, he is ranked 24th on the money list for wide receivers, and he's now playing like a 24 wide receiver. So. Uh, the Rams probably got a bargain right there for, for what's to come with Allen Robinson. Is the great John Wolford just throwing to uh, Jalen Ramsey on purpose for all these picks in, in, in training <laughs> camp? Or is he just doing this to make him look good? <laughs> I, I guess because, it, you know, I was surprised that Jalen, Jalen Ramsey came out so quickly from having uh, shoulder surgery in late June, and he's already out there in team drills and intercept, getting an interception off John Wolford. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe Jalen Ramsey uh, was a little ticked off too with the bad pass from Wolford because after the first interception, the first thing he did was did a, did an angry punt and kicked it to the other side of the field. So uh, he probably expected better from his quarterback. Uh, but before that, before Jalen Ramsey came on the field, 
I was I was pretty impressed with how sharp uh, John Wolford was on the field, and uh, we were all looking pretty closely at John Wolford because of the Matthew Stafford, uh, you know, possibly having his arm falling off soon uh, to see to see how Wolford would do in that position. So he was sharp, and then Jalen Ramsey came, and he was throwing uh, a good amount of interceptions, and Sean McVay. Uh, it, it, it got lost in, 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 in supporting me because Sean McVay was pressed about the contract, but he uh, he ripped the offense for uh, for being pretty bad the other day. All right, Gilbert. Before we let you go, what are the chances that someone not named the Rams win the division this year? You know, there are good chances, and, and I think the Rams are a little you know annoyed that you know they're, they're defending champions. And I think I saw uh, my colleague Kevin Modesti was telling me that the, that the odds are not that good for a defending champion. I think ten to one or or the fourth, the fourth strongest off to win, and you know when there's Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills out there are stacked, and you know the Chiefs always do something. The Buccaneers are out there, uh, the Packers are always in play. So, uh, and the, the weird thing, it kind of just broke their way last year with the Rams. They, they were the fourth seed, and then NFC, uh, the 49ers took out the Packers, and it, it kind of just broke loose. Like once they won that big game in, in Tampa Bay, where they almost blew that lead. Uh, it, it just the field just opened up. Obviously, the teams are all they're all competitive and talented teams, but uh, the path was going to be difficult for for the Rams. They just kind of went away, and, and they made the most of it too. And they had a bunch of injuries, and I still can't believe Stafford and Cooper Cup did it on their by themselves because uh, everybody was out for the receiving core in, in that final two minutes of the Super Bowl. So uh, they have some question marks. They lost Von Miller. Uh, there's some new pieces in the offensive line. They have some, some young people in the secondary. But overall, this team is still very stacked and, and kind of makes my job easier in training camp because you know jobs are already settled. Uh, uh, there's not that many starting positions to fill. So uh, for the most part, still a very talented team. And, and I wouldn't be surprised if they repeat. But again, nobody's done it since 2004 with the Patriots. So that's why I think they're probably behind on the other right now. I just can't believe as a former Raider beat writer for the teams that could win it, he didn't include the uh, mighty Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> They're, they're, they're a sneaky team. I just leave it, leave it up. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Sneaky, <laughs> sneaky Raiders. All right, Gilbert, you got uh, anything good coming up this week? Uh, well, I just actually just posted a, a story. Again, like you mentioned, Tyler, you want to know about Allen Robinson. I just posted my eight observations uh, from, from training camp. They're done. One thing I love about the Rams from compared to Chargers, I, I, I hate to compare. Their training camp is just two weeks, and they're out of there with the Chargers for like a whole month. But I have eight <laughs> observations from training camp. Uh, you know, I, I talk about the backfield, Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, uh, Bobby Wagner. For a guy to be 11 years in the NFL, he is still putting on the show. He's very, he's still, you know, he, you know, has not missed a beat. Very talented. Uh, you know, I talk about the right guard position. Anything you want to know? I know I try to get more more fantasy stuff in there. I got two Atwell in there for the wide receivers, uh, defense, special teams. I got it all in that story. Uh, and then you know, I, I'll have a couple of features. Hopefully, maybe one on Aaron Donald. Uh, choking out his teammates uh, in the future. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, he is Gilbert Manzano uh, covering all Aaron Donald chokeouts. Gilbert, thank you so much. Thanks, we man. enjoyed it. Good to see you. Thank you, Tyler. Appreciate it. Take care. So yeah. there is Gilbert Manzano covering the Rams uh, for the SoCal nose gr- or News Group. Nose Group would be kind of weird. Um, so yeah, uh, I mean the SoCal Nose Group. I think that's a that, plastic surgeon. <laughs> definitely exists too, doesn't it? Uh, Ed, you're going to have to check on him after he, he has to watch Drew Locke play twice this year Yes, for his job. What do you mean? You're going to end up drafting DK Metcalf in fantasy football. Oh, you're God, gonna watch you're Drew right. Locke I so am going <laughs> to. 
Just going to watch DK Metcalf just stop running, wait for the ball, and just go, man, he's still under through it. Yep. It's going to be great. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some NBA. My goal here is to, to win the FedEx Cup playoffs. That's all I'm here for. If there's something I need to say regarding the PJ Tour or Liv, it will come from Cameron Smith, not Cameron Percy. I'm a man of my word, and um, whenever you guys need to know anything, um, it'll be said by me. Back to the Press Box Summer Edition. Today, Cofield and Company is out at Silver Sevens. They'll be out there every Thursday throughout the month from 3 to 6. Happy hour at Silver Sevens from 3 to 5. $2.77 pipe shots and margaritas? That sounds fake. How much? I mean, the way you read it wasn't real convincing. Well, yeah, I'm more shocked by it. Two seventy-seven for mm. pints, shots, and margaritas. Mm. Sounds fake. So it go get. Ha- I mean, go to the Silver Sevens. Yeah, I was about to say. Company. Go it's, get hammered and talk to Cofield yeah, during the breaks. Three, three to five, two seventy-seven. That's a great deal. It is. All right, place a bet. Kevin Durant news. I like this guy. He gives us a lot of. Oh content. God, he's an idiot. Uh, according to SNY. Kevin Durant would prefer to play in Boston. Uh, The reporting was Durant sees Boston as a desired landing spot, per people familiar with the matter. Durant also would like to play with Boston's Marcus Smart if he is traded to the Celtics. Uh, If you recall, the earlier reporting from about a month ago was that the Nets and Celtics had talked about a trade involving Kevin Durant. The Celtics had offered Jalen Brown plus there and plus is doing a lot of work there. There was a lot more added on to that, but the nets came back and asked for Jalen Brown, Marcus smart and everything else. And that is where the Celtics said, no, according to this Durant would like to play in Boston and would like to play with Marcus smart. Well, I'm sure he would. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's on, this guy's unbelievable. So this is, this is to me sort of the interesting part where, Kevin Durant has requested a trade. He obviously has not been traded yet. He then walked in and said, hey, uh, (laughs) fire the head coach and GM, and I might stick around. And now we're getting reports that, hey, he's trying to dictate who is in the trade for him. Is Kevin Durant, has Kevin Durant, like, has he overplayed his hand more than anybody else? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's why I said. I'm sure he'd like that. A lot of guys would like that. Hey, can you trade me there so I can play with Marcus Smart? (laughs) I want them to do what you said yesterday. I want to say, Kevin, here's your first class Southwest ticket. You're headed to Sacramento. It'd be oh funny. my God, it's the best. That'd be, that would be. It's the amazing. best idea. You've had some great ideas, Tyler. This that that, that one be might amazing. be the best package, one. You've ever if you're had. Sacramento, just package everybody. You're not going to win anyway. So I <laughs> you're going to sell a lot of season tickets. Yeah, you're going to sell more tickets. So you're not going to win anyway. So just give up as many guys as you as you want and get Kevin Durant. Your local radio show will have content for. <laughs> Years, because they'll be like, all right, Kevin Durant tweeted something. We'll take your call. So did his burner account. The other team mentioned in this SNY story, Philadelphia. Something worth noting, as of earlier this week, there were high-ranking members of the Sixers who have felt strongly about engaging with Brooklyn on a Durant trade. Here, I think, is the big issue. What are they giving up? Right. So Tyrese Maxey had a breakout season Mm -hmm. last year to the point where like he was the number two ahead of James Harden, right? Because Harden wasn't playing as well as, you know, MVP James Harden was. So in reality, the Sixers last year, Embiid was their best player. And then Maxey was their second best. 
And then James Harden came in as their third best. So Maxi is a good player. But if we believe that the Nets turn down Jalen Brown plus Derek White plus multiple picks, I cannot imagine a package built around Tyrese Maxey is going to be enough for the Brooklyn Nets to say, yes, we will trade Kevin Durant to Philadelphia. No. Didn't Philadelphia Not, just have to circumvent the salary cap? Well, they didn't have to, but James Harden like we said, allowed Like we to. said yesterday, he, he's, he signed for four years. I would want everything if, yeah. I, if I trade that guy. And, and the problem with Philadelphia is outside of Maxi, if you're making a trade with Philadelphia, they're not trading away Joel Embiid, right? Obviously, no. he would be the biggest trade piece, but they're not doing that. If you're Brooklyn, you're not trading back for James Harden. You're not bringing him <laughs> back after he just got out of dealing with Kyrie. We think it'll work this time. So once you get past those two, you're now talking about Tyrese Maxey, Matthias Theibel, who's like a, a good role player. And a great name. Tobias Harris and picks. Like just I just no chance. If they in all seriousness, no if they turn down Jalen Brown, Derek White, and picks, I yeah. can't imagine they'd accept Maxi Thibel Harris and picks. And picks. I just I no. can't envision that. Now maybe we get further down the road and Brooklyn doesn't get any offers they think are good enough, and they come back to this and say, Well, we haven't gotten what we wanted, so we'll take what the Sixers can offer. But based on where they've been asking right now, the Sixers don't seem like that doesn't seem realistic no. that that would be a trade opportunity. No, for because like you said, they're not going to go Harden and they're not going to go Embiid. So if you didn't go Jalen Brown and uh, you know what what the Celtics again, uh, Marcus Smart, what they wanted from the Celtics, why would they take what Philly can offer? Right. So I guess it sounds nice that people with the Sixers want to go after Kevin Durant, but I just it doesn't seem plausible that that's that that's a realistic trade destination based on I don't what know the Nets want. Given what Durant has said of what he wants and where he wants to go, I don't know if there is a realistic trade situation now. Right, and that's like to go back to Kevin Durant overplaying his hand. It feels very much like the last month or so, and really this week, all of the reporting on this has come from. Sources close to Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant. Kevin Durant is the person putting all this stuff out and there. And not sources close to the Brooklyn, to the Brooklyn Nets. Nets. I know there was a story about the Celtics were mad at the Nets for leaking the whole Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart trade talks or whatever. So that probably came from the Brooklyn Nets. But everything we've seen recently seems to be coming from Kevin Durant. And I'm not sure it matters what Kevin Durant wants. No, because as we said yesterday, four years in the contract, Brooklyn has the leverage. Right. So they're, they're the ones with all the leverage. Sure, he wants to go to Boston and play yeah, with Marcus Smart. But yeah, if Jason you're, Tatum. If you're book Brooklyn, you're like, well, we don't care. Like, we're right. not trading you there unless we get what we want. Sure, you might want to go play with James Harden and Joel Embiid, but it's like, what are we getting in return? Just Tyrese Maxey? Not doing that.